All right, Tyler, welcome to the podcast, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. So first of all, let's get into your background a little bit. Uh, you know, traditionally we do a lot of stuff with horse trainers, team ropers, but uh, you know, you're pretty unique in, as far as like what you offer as like a horseman and a horse trainer. Well, uh, was raised in Oklahoma. My dad had a commercial breeding farm for, I don't know, close to a little over 50 years almost probably. He bred uh, race horses, uh, per, you know, performance horses, cow horses, cutters and stuff. And so I was just born in it. Um, Around everything, yeah. every type of horse. Yeah. Dad roped, he cut, he showed halter horses. He um, he trained some of the best quarter. I mean, he he uh, stood Jim Jay. Uh, last trial was a thoroughbred stud. I mean, he was very, you know, into the racehorse stuff. Um, you know, when I was a kid and, and later on in my life too. But uh, if there was a horse, he probably had or a, an event or a or a specialty. He probably had his hand in it at some time. So I was around a lot of different things. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So you were exposed to every type of horse and then the show side of it. Mm -hmm. At what point in time are, are you like, this is what I'm going to start pursuing? Well, it's all I ever did. I played sports, played football, wrestled and baseball and rugby. But um, I always rode, roped, cut, and I showed in the pleasure, walk, trot, um, trail, all that stuff. So, at, I mean... It's all I ever really knew how what to do. And then I guess when I graduated military school and came home, I went to uh, Weatherford, Oklahoma one year for college rodeo scholarship. And, and uh, I came home, worked with my dad that summer. I'm like, school's not for me. I'm going to go pursue this. And my dad, oh, yeah. Oh, I think it was probably 2003 or four. He told us that he was going to get on the executive board of the AQHA. So at that point, we cannot show at the AQHA World Show. So there was five years of kind of like, where am I going to go? So I rodeoed and jackpotted and kind of worked around. I wish that was the only thing I do regret. I wish I would have went and worked for somebody like a Todd Crawford or a Robbie Schroeder and like stayed there and really built. Cause I think it took a long time to get where I am. If I wouldn't, if I, you know, if I wouldn't have done that, or if I would have done that, <clears throat> I think I would have got there a lot quicker, but, um, it was probably 2004. I was like, this is what I want to do. And, um, I just kind of went about it a little different. <laughs> There's a lot of curves. <laughs> well, I think it's important, right. Is when you, the, the things you try and do, it, it kind of helps you figure out what you're, wanting to, mm -hmm. to do in the path you, you pursue. Because I think that's the thing we, when we're close to things growing up, a lot of us just end up doing something similar to that. And I worry that it's, we do it because it's what we know. Mm -hmm. But then I also think, well, you're around it so much, you can find the, like you can find the, like the passion for it. And it's kind of obviously there if, you know, your family's doing it too. So it's probably pretty natural for, for you to find that. So it's like, it, it kind of does help it, you know, if you find that passion, but also if you, pursue other things it kind of lets you know like okay well this is i'd like this or i don't like this right. and you take other aspects from yeah. it right and it's always it's kind of like i always wrote i was i was the roper of the family um but i did show cutting horses and other things as a kid but i was my sisters always really they did the cutting and all around like the pleasure and stuff like that and i was just roped but would do other things and um 
And then when I got older and started training, it was like the horse led me in the direction, not me. Right. Whatever horse I had or got sent to me or was riding, I always felt something. Okay. Yeah. This could be a cow horse or this could be a rope horse. And I just let the, the horse, you know, pick the direction. And I think that's really important as a horseman. So that was kind of always, I always kind of, I never really went in a straight line, had tunnel vision about anything. So that's kind of how I got to where I am. Is that a big relief knowing like when you're on this horse that they don't have to do something specific? Like, I mean, meaning that I feel like there are a lot of horses that probably don't want to do something or like just are not going to be great at it, yep. but they can, there's probably something they could be better at, right? Yes. And it is, but, and then, you know, the customer comes into play too. Sometimes they want that horse to do an individual thing and you tell them, you know, just, I'm always honest. I'm like, look, this horse doesn't really want to do this. We could try this though. And, you know, and sometimes they're like, well, I'm never too proud to say, you know, it's your horse. If you want to have somebody else try it, maybe it'll work. That's fine, you know, but yeah, it is a big relief to, you know, be able to do different things and let that horse talk to you and stuff. But, you know, a lot of times it, it comes up to the customer that, you know, they, they want it to do a certain thing. And, you know, sometimes you got to let it go and let somebody else try it too. So, but yes, it is a, uh, I, that's what I love about what I do is, or my kind of program is it's uh I don't have to have tunnel vision, like I said, and let that horse dictate what we're going to do. So as of like right now, what all of events or shows like in it, like a typical year, like, give me, give me the disciplines <laughs> that you're going to, you're going to be entered in. Uh, so like right now it's, uh, November 3rd, uh, we just got done with snaffle bit fraternity. And during the snaffle bit fraternity, I had, uh, two horses that, uh, two, three-year-olds I showed in the fraternity. And then I had a hackamore horse and then two, two rainers. And that's, uh, show hor horses there at the fraternity. And then, um, then I had eight rope horses entered in the rope horse fraternity. And now that we have that over with, I'm going to catch ride for my brother-in-law at the cutting fraternity, the NCHA cutting fraternity, which starts in a couple weeks in Fort Worth too. And then, uh, and actually tomorrow I have to go up to the AQHA world show to show a junior cow horse. And the day after that, we're going to go to, I guess it would be the, the fifth. I go up to Guthrie to the Riata buckle roping. And then come home and, like I said, go to the cutting fraternity and then get a little bit of a break. But the 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 year starts out, a uh, general year starts out at the Sun Circuit uh, in Arizona, and uh, there's NCA or there's NRCHA events, which is National Marine Cow Association. There's a rope horse fraternity there. There's an AQHA show there. It's all in one deal. I mean, you can take. I took 15 horses last year, and we did everything from cutting cow horse, reining, and roping, and uh, kind of just got the year started, schooled horses, showed horses, and then uh, then we go to, there's three major events in the uh, NRCHAs, which is the Stallion Stakes in Vegas, the Derby in, um, in uh, Scottsdale, and then we'll come back for the, you know, the fraternity here in October, so, and then the all the rope horse fraternities in between, so it's kind of like... How do you manage your time? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So, uh, well, no, I got to, we, we got to dive into this a yeah. little bit because that, there's so many disciplines, right? And everything requires a little different feel and a little different 
uh, I mean, your horses are doing different things in, uh-huh. in each of these. So like the, and the ages are different. And so let's, this is a lot to like unroll. I, I think like, take me through like your program, like a typical day, like training at your house. Like let's yeah. say you got a handful of days where you're riding them. What does that look like? So how do you try to like set up days like that? So typically in the mornings I will, uh, we'll get, you know, get started. I don't have lights and I don't really ever want to have lights just because I won't ever quit. No, you know, family's number one to me. So, um, typically we'll get up, you know, an hour before dark or daylight, start saddling, you know, make sure everything's fed and stuff. And then, uh, we'll typically do the, uh, the cow horses first, just cause there's, you know, like in the summer, it's a little cooler, um, in the mornings. So we can kind of, I have to spend more time on them. There's three events we got to get ready for, you know, so um, we'll do the cow horses first. And then when when we get through with them, you know, 10, 11 o'clock or whatever, we'll dive into the rope horses because they don't take as long. I mean, the colts do, um, but I don't have to put as much pressure and go fast and get them as hot. I can do a lot of like, you know, maybe we're going to work on the, the scoring. And so I can spend time on that and not get hot. Right. Cause I don't mind being working in the hot of the day, but I want my horses not to, you know, get road hard or whatever. So typically we'll do the rope horses in the afternoon. Cause I can either do the dummy and, or, you know, work on scoring or just go steer stop or just heal a few, one or two steers, you know, as long as they get road, especially those ones that are seasoned and stuff, just exercise, make sure their mind's right. And, you know, just a handful of runs if they yeah, need it, yeah. you know, you're, Basically, you're not trying to lose their breath. You right. know, you're just trying to make sure that whatever feel you're trying yeah. to put in, but you the, got that. Yeah, and then, you know, like I said, the cow horses, they take a lot more, so we'll do them in the morning when it's cooler. And then, when it, like right now, when it's nice all day, uh, we'll just kind of the same thing. I try to stay on the same program just so we're not going different directions and, you know, changing the, you know, what we do every day. But um, it doesn't matter. We can work all day until you know, sun up, sun down. So, cause the weather's nice, but, um, and then we have two year olds and I try to, you know, like if I'm Cole, that boy that works for me, he, uh, he'll have horses saddled and be working his string and stuff and kind of give him colts that, that need more just time and attention. He'll ride those. Like once I'm get going and I can just go put a horse up and get on another one and stuff. So he'll, I'll tell him, you know, some, uh, some point in the day like all right hey why don't you go start on your string or whatever and get as many as you can road and if i need you i'll holler at you or whatever so it takes a team it takes a village um so and he's done a great job for me this year and and uh so like a, a solid day how many horses are you getting through well we have we have i've slowed down a, i've sent a little bit home right now for this next year but we had 25 and we could get all of them road and like I said, those one of the good ones and seasoned ones, you know, we would every day, every other day, those. But like, if we're getting ready for a show, we can get them all road. Right. You know. Okay. So being efficient with your time, how how much help do you got to have to to kind of do that? Like, what does that look like as far as like, are those things that you measure? Like, how many horses that you actually are saddling and unsaddling and washing? Like, do mm-hmm. you? So how do, how have you tried to like get that balance so you can get on as many as possible? Well. I, I I work I want to work side by side with my people. I don't want them to work for me all the time. So, you know, we try to saddle together, unsaddle. You know, if you get off a horse, you take care of it. Um, and if I'm rolling through some, he'll bring me one to the arena, um, and you know, take it and 
keep bringing them to me. It's, I mean, it works with one person with me um, just because I try to do my part too. Yeah. So we all work as, you know, shoulder to shoulder, not like I'm just sitting there riding them, you know. So I like to take care of my horses too. So um, my program, it works with one guy. And then I have um, uh, some guys that come and water and feed or in clean stalls every day. So that helps. Right. um, So, I mean, you could always use more help, but we make it work. And I, you know, it's, it's more one-on-one with he and I, we know each other and we know how everything needs to go. So, I mean, once you get a program established and, and, you know, it works like a old machine, it's pretty easy. And I think less is more sometimes, you know, more just, you know, you can have too many people. I kind of stepping over each other yeah. and stuff like that, especially I think once you get in a rhythm too, yeah. like, like you're saying, if you, you kind of, everyone knows what, what's going yeah. on. Well, and I, just, a lot of times we don't have, I don't have to be like, Hey, do this. And a lot of times I'll think of something he's already done it and, or vice versa, you know, so it's pretty good. And, and he really, really loves the horses and, you know, and that takes, that's the biggest thing is somebody that cares, you yeah. know, and wants to keep those horses, uh, you know, going good and doctor if they need doctor or whatever, you know. So, yeah, it, I mean, it takes somebody that cares and stuff like that. And then, um, just helping each other, I think, is work as a team. Absolutely. All right. So, I, I gotta, we gotta back up on a few things. I yeah. thought, uh, you said military school. Uh-huh. <laughs> what, what age did you go to military school and, and how long was that for? So, my dad and my great grandfather went. To the same school it was st john's northwestern military academy in delafield wisconsin and i went uh my dad gave me the option to go my uh freshman year and i was like no i want to stay home play football and you know horses and all that stuff and then he kind of didn't give me the option to go because just was school wasn't going very good at home nothing bad just he wanted me to get a good education and he knew what he did for him and uh, so I went my sophomore, junior, and senior year, and it was the best thing I ever did. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. After, you, you know, um, the kids run the school. It's just run just like an army. I mean, it's army-based, but Catholic. It's a Catholic school. And, right. uh, and uh, you know, chain of command, everything. You, you earn your rank. You take care of your kids. You do your schoolwork. You play your sports and all that stuff. And, and it teaches a young man a lot. So did you live there at yep. the school? Uh, yeah, we would get um, like holidays off, yeah. you know, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, stuff like that. And then if you got, you know, the higher rank you got, you could have leaves on weekends and stuff. And so my sophomore year, I got uh, private first class was my first rank. And then uh, and then I got up staff sergeant and uh, squad leader by the end of my uh, sophomore year. And then my junior year. I got master sergeants and then um, got uh, promoted to uh, first sergeant, which that's the your, you know, accountant ability. I mean, welfare of every kid on the, you know, in your company. So you take you make sure you, everybody's healthy and know where they are and deal with any problems. Blah blah blah. And uh, that was a really big deal. And uh, and then uh, got a. My senior year, I was a company commander. So, and then, you know, with your rank and stuff, you got privileges and we could go take the train to Chicago on the weekends. I had a lot of friends from different parts of the 
country and world. So it right. was pretty cool. So what are some of the like experiences as far as to go up the climb the chain of command? Like what is the process of that? Um, like what are you having to do to to start accomplishing like I mean, like what does military school look like as far as someone that a wants to be there and then you know you're what they're asking of you well i don't know if anybody ever wants to be there like going thinking about it because they think it's uh it's a uh discipline yeah it does sound it but right it that is the that school in particular is the best education in the country i think in okay. my opinion and um it's the, has the best esl program in the world english as a second language we would get people from mexico um, Russia, Korea, I mean, South Korea, China, Japan, um, all over the world to learn English. And some, a lot of times those kids would not stay there. They would stay a year, get their, you know, and stuff. And, and, uh, but, um, the, so my dad always told me, he's like, do as you're told, do it to the best ability and don't argue. Live by those three rules. You're golden. So, and that's what I did and worked my butt off. And I get a little emotional thinking about it. <laughs> but, right. Um, so if you live by those three rules in, in anything, I think you'll accomplish a lot. You know, talking about military school, this is a big responsibility. So take me through the going from like someone's in charge of you telling you what to do to climbing this ladder to, to kind of being in charge. Like, what does mm -hmm. that look like? But also the... What I'm really curious is like the day-to-day -day discipline that this like instills in you that, you know, that I think you might not realize it today as much, but like it's stuff that might, I feel like it's still got to be there, right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, bearing uh, self-awareness, stuff like that, like, you know, just having self-pride too. But like, you know, when you're a private, you're, you know, you got to make your, you get up in the morning, you make your bed 10 and 10. That means you fold your sheets and your bed there's 10 and 10 night, you know, and, and keeping your footlocker clean and organize your closet. Everything that you do is discipline and it's teaching you, you know, that it's not just, oh, I'm going to fix my closet or I'm going to fix my footlocker. I'm going to make my bed. That's teaching you, you know, discipline and, and, and in everyday life is, you know, to have self-awareness and bearing and pride in yourself and, and do stuff and do it to the best of your ability and stuff like that. And the more you do that, I think the easier life gets and, and, and pressure and stuff like that is not a big deal. Um, and then when you carry that, you know, like you do the right thing and, and you um, or um, just like I said, um, you know, uh, don't argue, do everything to the best of your ability and um, do what you're told, stuff like that. Those three rules. And you can climb that ladder and get, um, you know, more rank and stuff. So it was just, it was just, the military deal is do as you're told, do everything to the best of your ability and don't argue and be there for the man next to you. You know, always, you know, it's a team. I mean, army is not one man. Right. right. That's the way life is, too. I mean, like, you can't do it by yourself, in my opinion. You got to have people around you that make you better. It's not like you want to go rope with somebody that's all the time that's not as good as you or not wanting to be as serious. You, you know, you put yourself around people that are going to be successful and stuff. And, and, you know, you'll, I don't know if I'm 
kind of waving off here, but it'll, you know, make you better. And, oh, and you're, you're good. Um, well, the other thing too with this is like, what happens when you don't make your bed correctly? Like, what, so like as you're getting there, like what are some of the things that, because obviously you probably didn't know how to make your bed correctly when you showed up, right? No. So what happens? When I don't you, even know if I ever made my bed. <laughs> no. Well, no, like, I mean, there's demerits, there's uh guard path, there's discipline, there's, I mean, you do push-ups, you walk a hundred hours in guard path with the M1 rifle on your shoulder, you know, and uh, in the winter of Wisconsin, it's not fun. Right. Uh, you write an essay to the president of the school telling you why you did something wrong. Um, you stand at attention with your nose against the wall. I mean, there's discipline and there's, you know, there, there's repercussions for things you do. And depending on what you do is how you get, you know, disciplined. You know, and does it start to, I guess it teaches you the accountability too, mm -hmm. right? The it, There's repercussions of not doing something that, that might seem like that you right. just take for granted. If, like, you, if you, so to speak, half-ass something. Yeah you're going to get in trouble for it. You're going to do push-ups. That's not how you, you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it hundred percent, do it the right way. There's right and wrong. Do it right. Well, and doesn't that apply to showing horses so much? There's like all the little details on like what the horse looks like, how, mm -hmm. like how they're presented, you know, the, the eye appeal yep. is something that's looked on so much. Is that that's what I was trying to get to a minute ago? Like, you know, the things that we do make our bed and foot locker and closet and stuff is, you know, it's how you look every day, how you, carry yourself how you're i mean not you don't need the fanciest stuff in the world but as long as it looks good your horses look good or taken care of um you present yourself right you you know have your shirt tucked in your hat cleaned off or you know we wear beards but as long as they're not looking like we just came out of the mountains you know look I mean, like mine no <laughs> but uh i mean just i always say bearings how you present yourself and your things they may not be the best. They may not be fancy, but they're the best to you. Yes. You're, they're your best, yeah. right? And and they work. The equipment's put together. It's not, you know, I mean, it's taken care of. It's clean. Um, just little things like that, to me, present a big picture of success. I mean, to be successful is set yourself up for success, stuff like that. And if you carry yourself that way in everything that you do, you're going to uh, climb that chain of command, you know, in life. Yeah. Well, and don't, I mean, I feel this way. And I mean, I, I kind of want to like, I want to half-ass things all the time. Like, why do I want to do this? And you, so you got to like, you kind of got to break habits. And there, then you, pretty soon you start doing things without even realizing it. And then like my truck or something will just be a mess. And I don't, I don't realize it, you know, like it's, I think it's the little things in mm -hmm. there, right? Is that, is that kind of something you got to constantly be aware of? Um, or yeah. that, that, I mean, that kind of maybe takes helped? a lot of, Self-discipline, like yeah. my last truck, we just, you know, thank goodness we just got a, a new one from Bill Fick and, and my last truck, it was, it got to where it was like the, both the kids were in the truck all the time with me and, you know, and I was like, oh, I'll clean it in a little, you know, but no, I was like, I have made myself, I'm like, every time me and the boys, I'm teaching them now, I can't, you know, lead by example. I can't just right. have, you know, I was like, all right. Yes, we take snacks, we take water, we do all that stuff in the truck. We got to, you know, they need stuff to eat. Yeah, but when we get home, we open the doors and we take the trash out, we clean it out. And, you know, that, and it makes me feel good. It's like going to the gym, you know, it's hard to go to the gym, but once you do it and get in that routine, it makes you feel better. Right. And not to say that I've been doing that, but 
it's the same thing. It's like you get home, you clean your truck and you have, you know, self-discipline and it makes you feel good. You're taking care of your things and you're teaching like me. I'm teaching my boys that not to just, all right, I'm done with that. I'm going to throw it on the floor and then just leave it there. No, we could clean our trash up, make our stuff look good. Just, you know, just like you're talking about. Right. So, the, the other thing from military school that you mentioned was you, then you, you're more in charge. Like as you progress in the ranks, mm -hmm. you're in charge of your peers, kids, your age, and you're in charge of quite a few of them at, at some point. Mm -hmm. What does the dynamic look like that? Uh, because also you did say um, English is their second language. So now you have a language barrier with your peers. And then on top of it, like what I'm really curious about is how do you try to lead as, and not be, you know, the asshole, you know, yep. the guy that is like in charge that no one wants to follow. I, I try to be someone that they kind of want to look up to or like do, you know, work with, I guess yeah. you'd say. Well, that's exactly right. That's what I was about to say. Just like I was telling you, you know, how my program works is I try to work side by side. I wouldn't ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't. Right. And I might be the first one out there sweeping the floors just to prove to them I'm not better than anybody, but this is what you're supposed to do. And so it's just like a, you know, a, a guy leading a, a battalion into the command. They're probably going to be the first ones off on the battlefield and the last ones off. They're setting the tone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and so that's how I, I always led my, or, you know, led my guys or, or talk to my lieutenants or XOs or sergeants, you know, cause as a company commander, I didn't get to, I mean, I interacted as much as I possibly could with my, the kids and, uh, or my cadets as they were called. And, uh, but, you know, you got to teach your XOs and your, in your, in your, you know, your platoon leaders and, and lieutenants and all that stuff, how to lead them in, you know, their, their squads or their platoon or whatever. But so it was just, I would, I tried to work side by side and lead by example. And some of those kids, they would see me sweeping the floor or cleaning the bathroom as a company commander. I'm like, I, I expect you to do it. So, I mean, I don't want to ask you to do anything I wouldn't do. So right. I just kind of led by example, tried to. And then now, you know, as you move into being a horse trainer, you have two aspects that are I think the two hardest aspects are the business side of it. Mm -hmm. And you have clients that are sending you horses. So managing and dealing with clients, how is the communication process and how is that, you know, it just seems like this kind of, a lot of this applies, but could you kind of talk to me about that a little bit as far as. It made it a lot easier going to that school from the kid that I was before I went and the one, and the guy, man I am now, it, it made it a lot easier just to be able to talk to, but always be honest. Learn, just tell the truth. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Right. Be honest. Do not take advantage of anybody that you ever ride for. Just because, I mean, tell them. And it's their, it's always their opinion. If they think maybe a little time is better, that's their opinion. But you be honest at all times and, and talk to them. And I, and I, we all get caught up in life and, and I need to be better at it. I want to be better at it. Even if I am good at it, I want to be better at it talking to my guys or my people or my clients or people that own the horses and stuff like that. And the people, you know, our, our sponsors and stuff, I try to always reach out to them and stuff, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very simple. Be honest with them. Do not lead them astray and, and just do the best of your ability. And if you can do a 1% better every day for that horse or that client, 
you know, in a hundred days, they're going to be. You're making progress. Yeah. So being honest, that means you're going to have to have some hard conversations mm -hmm. because typically in uh, relationships, like with the show horse, the clients are paying for like entry fees. They, yes. you know, they have, they don't get to see the horse day in and day out like you do. And they have these expectations. Like the results are really like based on a show. Yeah. So this is a huge pressure that now that you have to take on. Yeah, uh, if you don't, if you don't perform and if you don't bring it, you know, it's, it's hard for that client to, you know, keep doing it. So it's, you know, and, and like sometimes um, it doesn't go good and you got to be, look, you got to tell that client or you don't have to, but you tell that client, you know, I've done the best of my ability and, and, you know, it's, it's a tough, there's tough horses. The, the horsemen that are out there right now are absolutely, the, I mean, the best you'll ever see. And I mean, hopefully, you know, I'm growing my kids into this and hopefully they're better than I am, but right now it is tough. And if it doesn't go good, you know, I, I can deal with a bad cow or something, but if I put a mental error or if I screw up, I don't do well with that. I mean, I don't accept mental errors. I try to be strong and, and no one's going to be harder on than myself, but like, you got to tell your client, you know, and they're going to be upset and you just got to have that conversation with them. And, and, you know, as long as you did the best you could do, I, you know, it's all you can say to them. And, but a lot of times it's, I mean, there's a lot of variables. There's barriers in the roping. There's this, you know, bad steer or something. Maybe you know, might not get a rerun. I mean, that's understandable. And you just got to roll with the punches. But if you aren't, you don't prepare yourself or your horse good enough, that's on you. That's mental errors, you know? So you got to be really, they're paying the bills. You got to make sure that you're doing your part. Right. To be successful for them and your their horse. Let, let's dive into this whole can of worms of mental errors that, <laughs> that I feel like every everyone that competes that they have to they have to work you know fight these demons all yeah. the time right. <laughs> well, first of all, um, showing horses is feel right. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have feel. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I mean, you're you're trying to present the best picture to those judges, right? And you know, and so. If your horse is, I mean, you just got to have feel during your run and where that horse's mental game is that morning when you're getting ready to show. We try to pre prepare them like we'll, you know, we'll stay up all night working horses in the arena, like say for the raining, because they're going to be in there by themselves. So we want to get them in there and get their mental, you know, thoughts and, and how they're going to take stuff. And, and so we spend a lot of time getting their mind right, too. So, um I mean, it, it, it's so it takes a lot of feel like, I mean, this horse is a little hot right here. So I'm going to spend some time just letting him know it's not a big deal. You know, try to get him to come back to me. And, and, and if you get in that show pen, you get by yourself and he gets raised up or she gets raised up. You got to have feeling be like, hey, you know, find a way to like, you know, either hum to him or talk to him or, you know, where you can secure him or wrap your legs around him or or you know, close your hands and they just relax and come back to you. You know, you got to have a lot of feel. You can't just manhandle anything in there. You can't just, cause the judges will see it. And so a lot of times you, I mean, it takes so much feel really. Well, and, and I think this is the, the thing that's really unique compared to roping, right? Roping, I think you, you got to be in the moment 
and there's a certain like that kind of that initial like when the gates crack like you got to instinct take over yeah you got to be yeah. ready and then your instincts take over but it's happening so fast mm -hmm. we're showing a horse you need to be so in the moment the whole time and then you need to be really aware of everything else that's going on like if you are working a cow or something like that you got to be able to to kind of manage both but then your horse at the same time yeah. so the the room for mental air seems much much higher right yes. Cause it seems like, like say you're in the raining pattern, it, there's so many maneuvers and transitions that it seems like you're in there a long time. And if you feel like you've been in there a long time, it usually is good. Yeah. Like Doug Clark always told me when I was roping calves, paint by numbers, like rope that neck, get off. I mean, this, it was, there's steps. He always taught me to do it. And he like the, the fastest calf I ever tied was seven two, and it felt like ten seconds. Right. So in that raining pattern, I always thought to myself, "Is like if I paint my numbers, do my maneuvers, teach them, you know, the transitions and relaxed everywhere, you feel like you're in there a long time. And if you hit everything right, it's usually a good score. I mean, in my mind, and this is probably ridiculous to some other people, but I think if if my horses hit those transitions and 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 you feel like you're in there a long time and you can think about stuff as you're doing it. And this is just me. I, I, I feel like most of the time it's, it's going to be really pretty good in the end result. But if you feel like you're like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And then we're, you know, just going fast everywhere. It's like nothing's it's control. It's un uncontrolled chaos, you know, in there and stuff. And like the cow aspect of our stuff is um, you got to make decisions. And you have to make them now. Right. Right or wrong, make a decision. Because if you don't, you're late. Like going down the fence. You need to be proactive yes. as a pro, right? Proactive as opposed to like, re, you know, reactive. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, you got to, when you're going down the wall and you go to make that first turn and you're watching your cow through the turn and you're seeing how it comes, you're, you're thinking like, I'm going down the fence and I turn this cow, I am watching how it's coming out of the turn if it's going to come behind my horse or if it's going to go back down the wall, I know where I'm going to come back to get on the other side of it, where I'm going to go down there and loop it and set another turn up. And you're always, you got to make decisions because you're like, Oh, that feels good. Oh, the cow left me, you know? Yeah. Cause that's, that's the thing is I think there's a lot of times where you like, you're like looking for a feel and then they hit it. Like if it's mm -hmm. a big stop or like a, a big rollback like that and they hit it perfect. And you're like, this is Whoa. awesome. Yep. And then now yeah. you're behind. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that's like, you know, you're, but that takes away, you're like, you're focused on the result as uh -huh. opposed to like what to do next and staying in that. Um, so. But I like I was, I was going to touch on, but the mental game, like that stuff is for me, if it really, if you're in tune with your middle game, everything feels slow is what I was trying to get out, like paint by numbers and stuff. Yeah. It, it, you're, you just almost so in control of it it seems like in slow motion you're in the moment yes. right like and it, you can there's a lot i think i i always go to this but i call it like like in the zone flow yeah. state like yeah. in, but you're like so immersed in the moment yeah that the maneuvers don't feel fast yeah and you may be hauling the mail right but it doesn't feel out of control so that's where i was thinking like i mean if you if you got it going on and and it, it just feels like time has stood still that's awesome for me well, and I, very not very often do you feel that, but I mean, like you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I think that's what makes it special though, right? This is this is the high of highs, right? Because mm-hmm. I think once you hit a stage, you correct me if, because I'm sure winning is great. And there are times where it feels awesome, but the actual process of winning, like how it's happening, like you're just so immersed in that moment is probably more enjoyable than actually being done with that moment, right? Yep. I mean. Because there's so much more hanging on the balance, It's right? like when you're done with it, you, we as horse trainers, we, uh, it's like, you know, that you, you hear that term of, you know, when you almost die, life flashed before your eyes. Like when yeah. we have that moment in the arena and we knew it all came together and we know we're a chance to win or whatever, it rewinds. We have, it flashes all the things we did with that individual to get to the point where we are now, you know, and that's why it's so awesome for us because like everybody they don't ever see behind the scenes they just see in the arena they don't know what it took to get there and that's what i love about the horses i get to ride and they're not the best ones they're not the high dollar ones but that's okay but i've made them better and and that's my deal is i want to make every horse that's ever sent to me better you know so that's why it's so good for me i like the that part of it is is you know all the work you do up to that moment and if you do get to that deal, that's that's the great feeling. Right. Well, I think that's what is the best, like the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Because if you're only worried about the results and you only care whether you win or lose, well, there's so many variables outside of your control. Yeah. Uh, but if you like you're programmed, you know, we talked about you take a lot of different horses in, and they might go a lot of different directions depending on what the horse actually wants to do. Mm-hmm. So you to take that horse from the beginning to where he's at now um, and then have a great run, you, like for you, like that's that feeling's worth- like For I, me, yeah. No one could probably pay any amount of money to feel what you're feeling at, yeah. that, at that time. Yeah. And it's like- something And it might that, not be for first too. Right. It, and I think, that's, I think that's when you know. That's when you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. That's when you're like, hey, this is- this is something I'm doing something truly special with my time on earth. Right. Like I, well, like I, everybody I try to measure always, it on that. You know, it's not all about the gold buckles right. for me. I mean, I love to have them or, you know, get some someday, you know, or more or whatever, but I, I just want to be known as a great, you know, family man and a great horseman when I leave this world. So that, I mean, that's the part that, I mean, it's not all about the gold buckles and winning first, but yes, it is fun. And I, and I'm very competitive, so it's not that I don't like that, but it's, it, I get a lot of gratification out of making a horse better. Right. Well, if you do it right, you do all the steps right from the beginning to the, to the end with this mm-hmm. horse, to when you show them, if you take every step and you do your very best for the horse, the winning will take care of itself. Yes. You might have bad days and you might get screwed at times and you might have some heartbreak, but that also <laughs> is what makes it so good too, yeah. right? And like this year has not been a great year for me. Right. I mean, I've won, you know, made some finals and stuff on a couple of horses, but as a whole, I, I mean, I, I would dock this down as a, a successful year due to, I mean, made horses better and, you know, um, some great things did happen, but it's it wasn't a great year. I mean, it was pretty mediocre at best. I mean, right. but you got to take the good with the bad. And it's like, um, keep doing what you're doing. Keep your, you know, nose to the grindstone, as my dad always said, and keep your head down and keep moving forward. Um, Corey Cushing says 
you know, he got a tattoo right before the world's greatest last year, near the middle of the year, and it says, good things happen to good people. That's right. what he lives by now. And uh, we were sitting at the Snafflebit fraternity, and, and he was real nervous about his horses this year. And, because uh, you know, he's been moving to Texas from Arizona, and and uh, he's, I was like, man, your horses are doing good. You, you made, you know, good job. And he's like, I'm just, I can't believe it. I'm like, good things happen to good people, bud. Right. And, we, you know, we give high fives and we walk off. So, I mean, just there's more important things than doing all that, you know, gold buckle stuff. But just, you know, just keep your head to the grindstone, your nose to the grindstone, keep moving forward. And, you know, winning will take care of itself. Well, and I think finding like what you're truly passionate about, right? And uh, you said something earlier that I thought was, I think this is a good way to find out for people like, if they want to be a horse trainer, like if they truly love it, you, you mentioned riding under someone for that four or five mm -hmm. years that you couldn't show. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what you think as far as like apprenticeship and riding under someone, because to me, what apprenticeship means is you're exchanging your work for knowledge. Mm -hmm. You're not like the financial compensation should be, Probably just enough that Being you can survive. Yep. Yeah. But the knowledge that you're going to learn will apply yep. for a lifetime. And that's, right? that's far and few between right now. It's like, that's why everybody's, I mean, everybody wants to be a, I mean, not me. I mean, I don't think I'm at, you know, at anybody's level. I think I'm just me, but you know, that you, you have to sacrifice to get to where we are. We, I mean, when I was growing up and all of my you know, peers, we lived in shacks and shanties and, you know, lived on Roman noodles, um, didn't make very much money. And, and a lot, a lot of people even lived worse that are more successful than I am, but you've got to put yourself out there. If you want to be successful and you want to do this, it takes so much sacrifice and you really need to go to those people and live off their words right? and their teachings and stuff don't worry about making money right now i mean that'll come if you can survive and as long as you don't have a family that you have to provide for or something if you're an up-and-coming guy that you want to be a horse trainer well it starts with the two-year-olds you're not going to get show horses right now you're going to do some of the dirt work you got to build those babies you got to build that foundation like that's my biggest deal is if you don't have a foundation you don't have ever, you know, if you run into a problem, you never have anything to come back to. So as a as an up-and-coming horse trainer, you better learn how to get those colts going. And then you build, it's just chain of command, walk that ladder up, right? You got to start out as a private if you want to be a captain. Right. So my advice to those guys is, is just because, don't look for that big paycheck. Look for the guy that you look up to, a pre, you know, that you admire, and and ask and don't my dad he always asked questions even if he thought he was annoying and he probably was annoying a lot of those guys <laughs> and they said he was but he never stopped asking questions right and, it, and if you act like you care and you keep asking questions and you keep getting better th those guys like us and Corey and and all those guys they'll give you time give you their word and help you get to where you want to go but you can't just expect it you're not entitled to anything in this industry. You better work for it. You know, the the work, right? Because that's that's the one thing that you said um, 
you wish you'd wrote underneath someone and and like learn. I did it the hard way. And and so let's just kind of I, I don't know that there's a number right uh, as far as like years or time goes, but yeah. like it, like you're saying, learn how to start with the two year olds, learn how a horse works, learn how to mm -hmm. fix problems, basically learn how to train, yeah. right? Like learn what what you need to be able to install in these horses and how the you know how to train teach them how to mm -hmm. do these you know these maneuvers mm -hmm. as efficiently as possible right yep. um so with that is where you were like you kind of grew up in it or no you did grow no yeah. you you grew up in it i was born in it yeah. yeah you were born in it but then there was a time like where you're going out on your own and you're doing your own thing mm -hmm. it's the school of hard knocks for a very long time because now you have um you're trying to get into the world and then you have the financial aspects that are, I think this is where a lot of people really falter. And I think they put too much pressure on their horses. And yeah. I think they ruin a lot of horses yes. for this reason, because their career is depending on this horse mm -hmm. and it should be the exact opposite. You know what I mean? They should just be like doing what this horse needs and then they're going to, you know, the rest will take care of itself. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could be wrong with this. I don't no, know. No, it's totally right. Uh, like, the only regret I have is I wish I would have worked for somebody like I was born in it and I got to learn a lot of things from my mom and dad. I mean, everything, but, and there, he would hire guys like Frank Dominguez to come start two year olds at our house. And I learned a lot from him, but it was just like, it was, it was in, it was in frames. It wasn't like a movie, you know what I mean? Like, so to speak, like I learned a little bit here and I learned a bit. Here. I wish I would have just dove right into it and not, taking that zigzag approach me that's why i say i did it the hard way i learned a lot from a lot of different people and um but I, you know and early on and i just did a lot of different things but i wish i would have worked for somebody and then climbed that <laughs> climb the ladder you know the right right way because <clears throat> i didn't go to work for anybody until uh i left my dad's you know and went to work for carol rose and wes adams i worked for Randon for two years and then i went for carol rose and then i went to um kind of on my own but um and my brother-in-law my i worked for him for six years but i did this after i was married you know right so that talking about that financial deal is like i kind of went about it the wrong way and that's my big advice is if you want to do it <laughs> I mean, I understand if you have a family already and stuff, make sure you're taken care of, but it's, it's, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but, um, well, it, I haven't really asked a very good question <laughs> in the sense of like the, the topic and, and what I'm, I, I, this is how I feel about it is like, for me personally, like, like starting a business with X factor. Mm -hmm. When I looked at it, I like had played around with the idea long enough that I was like, all right, I like this and I want to try it. Like. And it took me probably a year or so to get to that point, maybe two years. But mm -hmm. when I started, I thought I would try it for seven years and then I would make my decision. Right. And I thought, this is a big enough deal that I want to stick with for seven years and I'll do whatever it takes for seven years. And so I did put a number on it, but I think the number that we put on something is like, oh, I'll go ride with the guy. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like six months or a year. Mm -hmm. And I think you see a lot of the great, like for like the rope horse guys that I think that come out really that really high end guys like like Cade Rice is a great mm -hmm. example. He he was rode with Clay Logan for over 10 years, maybe. I think right at nine, 10 years, yeah. He worked under Clay Logan for nine or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how you truly like learn how to master something is you are around someone that's great. 
day in and day out for years. Yeah. And it is, I'm sure there are times where you must think like I could go out on my own and make it, but then there, there's probably a lot of little lessons learned for so many, you know, so long. And I think that's, that's the thing is like, you probably got some of the lessons you had to learn, um, were you didn't get to watch someone else or like learn it from someone else. It had to be your own. And Mm -hmm. so when you, when you get to those, it just takes longer to make those mistakes and like work through them. Right. Yep. And I mean, like for me now, like I said, I wish I'd have done it different, but I have learned through trial and error. Right. And, and yes, there's sometimes where you have to push an individual and then there's sometimes you got to get out and you got to know when is what, you know, what is what, you know, when to get in and out of a horse, you know, that, that experience I, I've learned the hard way and, and stuff. And, but there's, um, and, uh, there's no, uh, I can't remember think of the word I'm thinking of or want to think of, but there's to learn under somebody and to get a program is, is the biggest advice I could ever like learn who you are. Right. And, and, and like Cade, he worked for Clay Logan. He, Clay Logan was the best or yeah. is the best in my mind. He's like a second dad to me. Um, he's a great guy, great horseman. He's a great cowboy. He doesn't wear that hat lightly. Yeah, like I Clay, mean, Clay Logan the, is the real the real thing. Like yeah. if, if you could ride underneath someone for a like that the job that Cade Rice had was an amazing opportunity yeah. and he didn't waste any of it. No. And you're now seeing the results of yeah. ten years of just I mean, he's worked for longer than yeah. that at Cade the, even the called thing. me and he's like, I'm nervous to give it. I'm like, Bud, you build it, they will come. Yeah. You are the you I mean, you worked under Clay, you 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 have success already. Um, he's done great things for you and with you. You guys have made a great team. Don't be worried. And I know it's nerve wracking and, and makes a man nervous, you know, getting married and having a family and stuff. And but I knew Kate was gonna be successful. Yeah. I mean, he's great and he's a great horseman, he's a good hand and rope's great too. So I mean, that's success in its own self. So um it, yeah that it, it was just i don't regret it but it's and it's made me the man i am today and the horseman i am being able to kind of figure things out on my own i don't sometimes i always ask for other people's advice but sometimes i can get myself out of a pretty good jam with a horse most right. times but it's just uh yeah okay so the next thing i think that's really unique is teaching these horses how to win and the mm-hmm. confidence side of things. Yep. That's so, a big deal. How do you try to manage that and keeping a horse confident? Because I think the the ones that are confident, like to me, when I like, especially like a showy horse, mm-hmm. if they're confident, that means they're hitting moves hard with like no fear. Mm-hmm. They're very, they're very physical with how they mm-hmm. do things. And they're going to almost, you know, it's, but they can almost do too much yep. or, or they can, I, very rarely the ones that do too little end up being great horses. Yeah. Like as far as like winning a lot, right. you know, there's, there's ones that are smart and intelligent and the, you know, how do you, so how do you try to keep that? Like if you've got one that teeters on between doing too much or not enough, mm-hmm. um, how do you try to manage the confidence? So uh, first off, knowing what horse you're on, don't ride the next horse. Like you did the last one. When you lay your leg over that horse, know that horse. And that's it. Do not think about making that horse like something else. So if you have a horse that's not the best athletic or most athletic horse, but has a big heart, 
put them in a situation to win all the time. So it's easy for them. You know, don't ask them to do something they can't do. So if they win all the time, they know they can win, so to speak, right? They, they right. think that's all they can do is win. And, with, and then when they draw, you know, it's like those horses that can't outrun me hobbled. There's horses out there like that, but that you can win on them. So that's how I, like, if you have a slow horse, you know, don't make it a struggle on them as a young horse, you know, run those steers they can get to, or, you know, just make them win all the time. And then um, nine times out of 10, they're going to give you everything they have and they're going to get there somehow. And it's not going to be a struggle for them. And then if you have a horse that does too much or, you know, is so athletic, I don't like to take that away from them. And usually if you have a horse like that and you try to slow things down, it, they get mad. Right. Do you agree? I, I'm now thinking I'm messing up a lot. You well, know what I mean? Because I do. I try to like, I try to make them do less. Like, is my thought. Like Ryan's big deal, like his, you know, Rocky and Starbucks, those horses were like bombs going off when he would leave that box. I mean, they were lots. I mean, they were powerful horses. Yeah. So on the dummy, he would lope down the arena. And then turn the corner and make that dummy trot, and he would just let them break down. That was their take it easy deal. And then, like when he would run steers, he would, you know, he would run the steer for what it was, but he wouldn't take the, them off that run, right? So, like I have a head horse, easy. He, a guy from Cersei, he hates going half assed. He doesn't like to meet and run in there and just. So I'll, you know, keep him legged up and rope the dummy on him and just do what the dummy does. But like, I'll make three or four runs for me and him and then go full contact and that's right. what i do and then i'll score some and then i'll walk him out or whatever but if you have a horse that wants to do too much like that and they get mad at going half ass in my opinion and many people may disagree with me i don't want to take that away from them i don't want them to get mad i want them to be happy so i'm gonna let them do it in a controlled way i mean i'm not going to go try to be five every time or four you know or whatever but let them go make that run for that steer whether it's a slow or fast just go make that run don't try to do anything just be there with them and and then like if you have a horse like i said that's not as athletic or wants to do less don't make it hard on them let them win and build that confidence and then then in the end result they're going to give you everything and they and then in their mind they think they can't lose right so do you with these horses because i think i think a lot of that like i kind of define like you said like win on them right mm -hmm. you know you've kind of got to define what the the win is for them because for each horse it's going to be a little bit different right. so like what's a win for a slower horse well it's going to be just catching up to the cow at a good spot mm -hmm. and making making a good run yep and, and it's going to be the same you know it's going to be the same but different for every horse right so understanding what that is when you're on that horse and how it's going to be different when they mess up do you try to fix things like and you know that there's a good chance they're going to mess up like it's a horse that whether it's a head horse scoring or whatever they might do it might mm -hmm. be like they don't rate going to the cow is this something you're going to try to fix on the next run like if if it happens and you miss it do you try to fix it as yes. it runs over or do you try to do it on the next run or i try to fix it well, if you, if, like you say, you do miss it or it happens before you felt it or something like that. And, and Tim McQuay says this, like he was back, he, somebody I learned, or I learned this from somebody, but it came from Tim McQuay. He's a, you know, one of the best reigning horse trainers ever. 
somebody was backing a horse up for like 30 feet. And he goes, what are you doing? Right. He goes, well, just getting this horse, get off whatever he's doing. He's like, that horse forgot what you were doing after the fifth step. Yeah. And he, and I always thought about that as like, it's like when you discipline a dog for pooping in your house when he did it five hours ago, it's pointless, right? So if you do miss it, it's okay. There's more steers. Go try to be ready for it the next time, whether he rates or whatever. But if you can catch it before it happens, yeah, try to, you know, correct it. But I don't think, don't scare him or don't make a big deal about uh, if you do miss it, just go abandon ship and go back and address it the next time. Because if you miss it and then try to address it, the horse is like confused. Do you think this is a big mistake that team ropers make is training too much after the run as opposed to during the run? Yes. Is that the biggest mistake? I mean, I think that's like, the, I think that's a I sign. catch myself doing it too, but it's just, I think it's human nature. You're trying to fix stuff, but you got to really, and, I, I, and that makes me think about stuff I've probably screwed up on this past couple weeks getting ready for security. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, make the run, think about the run, go dress it on the next one. Right. And I think your horse will stay, it won't get confused. And it'll pick up things faster. And I mean, that thing's that I just learned something right there too. I mean, like it goes I, back to confidence, yeah, though, right? Yeah, and that's a big deal I preach. But the way you just said that makes a lot of sense, you know? Because there's times like I'll be done with the run facing, and then I'm moving my horse's body parts, going to the strip and shoots. Which that's okay, I think, you know. Sometimes, but don't don't try to get too deep into it. Let that after the run, let that horse think about it in any run whether it be you just got done working in the raining or the cutting or the cow or, you know, going down the fence or the roping, heading, healing, roping calves, breakaway, whatever. Let that horse think first. Right. Don't stay in them. Like I said, learn when to get in and when to get out and let them process information because a lot of these, some of these uh, rope horses we have are a little harder and stuff and, and you know, don't like pressure or, or get a little bit wound up after pressure. So let them, like, that's why I, a lot of people take their ropes off in the arena. I like to go to the strip and shoot. I like to let the rope go or fall the steer down or whatever, just so that horse has time, especially the young ones. I mean, I know we have a lot of horses to ride and, and, and people do things different, but in my opinion, I like to go to the strip and shoot after a run and get my rope and walk back to the box. And yeah, it takes longer, but my horses, I feel like stay a lot better and, you know, mind wise and stuff and just little things like that. But, I, I think there you can cause a lot of problems if you're just don't know when to get out and just relax and let them process stuff. Well, and I think too, like when you get in and get out with cues, the amount of pressure that you apply has got a lot to do with how fast you need to get out. Um, and then the other thing with that is as you apply pressure to horses, at what point in time do they forget why they're getting pressure? Yeah. And and I think the ability to self-evaluate that is different for each horse and each rider. Mm -hmm. And um I think a really like if I truthfully had to think about it, it would be a, a high percentage of the time for me. They don't remember like what I'm trying to teach them after a run. Uh you know, it's 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 done a lot sooner than I think it is. Yeah. And and I think that's it's just a big mistake I think I make and probably We all do. Yeah. I mean it's for a horse to process or it's in anything, I think, is when you're asking them to do something, as soon as they give it to you, you got to give back. And and make a 
like the give back. I think that is a something that we don't put a lot of emphasis on, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, hey, like I like to to walk them off or like let them ease down to the the strip and shoot or or rest at big points. Like that's I think that's is more important than anything. Like for example, like if you're riding a young head horse and you might run four steers when you could run eight, but if you're letting them rest for a long time after they do a good job facing, um, you know, through the run after mm -hmm. they face or you lope them off and kind of make them face or whatever you decide to do with them. If you let them sit there and relax and kind of enjoy it, I found that my horse will just sit there and lick his lips. And I usually let them sit as long as they kind of want to. Yep. And then they, when they start wanting to walk, then I go get my head rope and mm -hmm. it takes a long time sometimes. And um, it's not my, my program for, you know, or anybody, I, I learned that from Chad. Yeah. I walked, I went and roped with him one time and every time he faced his horse, he would let, you know, let his rope go and, you know, he'd overface him or whatever, you know, young, old, whatever horses. And he would, you know, he might conversate, but that was his big deal is like, like it seemed like he was just letting them, you know, and if they didn't do right, it's not that he would, he probably wouldn't let them sit there very long, you know what I mean? Like, or whatever. But if they did right, like he is big on that. Yeah. And I, and that's the release. You did a good job. I'm not going to do anything. I mean, so it's not like, I like to pick things up from other people and put them into my deal. So I can't take credit for anything that I'm saying. I've learned this from everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well how important is humility right like i don't know at what age i decided that or learned that i really don't know any like i don't know shit you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like i i've decided here recently i i i every year i get older i learn that i know a lot less than i thought i did <laughs> yeah. and and that's been hard to to swallow that's a that's a hard pill to swallow and i think horse trainers and and anyone that wants to compete we want to think that we're we're good enough right or like that that's a big battle that we all mm -hmm. gotta fight um but then understanding like there's so much to be learned so how do you balance mm -hmm. that the humility or when did that actually start to come into play for you um when you at some point in a man's or woman's life when you're doing something and you're not winning or you're not successful or you're not getting better you gotta understand you if it's broke, you gotta fix it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But, and that's where like the cowers people, in my opinion, are so awesome because it doesn't matter. They'll bring you up. They'll, I mean, if you ask a question, they'll help you. Um, no matter good, bad, or indifferent, they're gonna tell you the truth um, and they're gonna help you. So, I mean, don't, like I said, don't ever be bashful. Ask for help. You know, if you're not doing good, something's not working. You better change something if right. you want to keep doing this because one you're not going to have clients because you're just too stubborn to change your ways well and then and it's like clay trying i mean how old is he now and he's still he's admitted he's had to change his game right clay's you know? not, clay's not young no anymore. He's, but i he's mean getting, he's, he's 40 little, he's getting a long yeah too. i mean <laughs> he still, still probably can beat me in baseball but i mean <laughs> he's still unreal he's, he's, he's a machine that guy's but that that's a perfect example he is he's never stubborn about his profession his uh, you know he changes to stay on top you know and so he's not he's not stubborn and and, and you know and and so i think if that answers your question right you just you can't be stubborn about things you got to keep moving with the times and if you're not if you're not if it's not working go get help 
right from some of you admire some of you don't i mean i learn things from everybody every day and 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 uh so i just don't be closed-minded so what's the you know the opposite side of that is like for example if i talk to someone about my heading swing Mm -hmm. and they give me advice then i try it out on the dummy and i think i think it's stupid after i you know like but i it takes me a while um and it depends on like usually who will give me the advice but i got to be able to form my own opinion about what i need and is that something that you know that you, you think is really important and how do you try to do that between when they tell you something and then you try it and then how do you you know you might take a little piece of it or how do you how do you ride that line grain of salt my dad always said take it with a grain of salt okay. don't change your entire deal try to take that and make your deal better right and 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 if you like their advice and you think it makes sense like i always like brock and ryan and i were roping yesterday and ryan was talking about the entry through the corner for me and the, the angle of my heel rope and i was like okay yep got it and it did make sense but i didn't like it didn't click click and then brock walked up to me and he's like hey i always think about i can rope anything that is under my tip and i'm like well that clicked for me right and then what ryan was telling me it just meant mentally bam i got it it made sense but it was just the two different ways they were explaining it. I took it the way Ryan and Ryan, he, I can understand what he's talking about most times. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, but it's just it's people just, explain things differently yes. and we process it differently. Yeah. Right. So always take, don't take it like the gospel. I mean, take any advice with a grain of salt, think about it, process it and try to make it into what you can or be able to do. Just like I'd say, ride that horse for what it is. Don't ask it what it can't do. You know, if you can't do that, just try to make, what you can do better by what somebody has given you, you know, and, and I, I'm, it's hard for me to explain my feel or explain feel to anybody for a horse or whatever. I, I'm, I'm, there's a method to my madness. A lot of times people look, probably look at me, watch me ride a horse. They're like, what is he doing? But it's just, uh, I'm big on just, I think about angles a lot and this, that, and the other thing. And just, what that horse can do in this situation and it's it's feel you know and, and so i have a hard time explaining that to people in my non-pros i've gotten a lot better now that i put myself out there but it's it's hard there's a way to explain feel but if you have to be thinking about what you're feeling you're not going to feel it till it's too late yep and so there's a difference between feel and muscle memory mm-hmm. you know and i think that's but that goes back to like how good of a trainer you are and that's why you know you you get to train and show horses mm-hmm. is because to actually build feel. I mean, it's got to take years. I yeah, mean, I mean a lifetime. Almost. I mean, I still learn. Like I was doing it with a new two year old the other day, and and I thought about an angle, and and I I learned a new feel for a way a horse steps, and it was. I mean that it was pretty cool i mean i sat there and i was just like pumped and it made me more motivated to get on him the next day and do it you know with some more other horses it's just you if matlock rose my dad's one of my dad's mentors he told me uh if you ever think you know everything you might as well quit yeah. so wake up and try to learn everything something new every day and and a lot of that i learn is from my horses right and like my wife says i can t- speak to horses better than i can people <laughs> which i think that's very true 
And uh, I used to could not do something like this. I know. I mean, like, right. And I still have a hard time getting my point across sometimes, but it's, it's, uh, you know, don't ever stop learning and, and you'll learn and feel the more you put yourself out there. Well, and, and the more time you spend doing it mm-hmm. and the more time you like think about it. And, and I think this is where the humility and all of the, the humility and time is really important because you, you know, you're self-evaluating, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to understand what your horses are doing and what you're making them do. Mm-hmm. And, and to like, know when you get in and get out with cues and, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. The, the older I get, how much I, like, I, I realize how little I know about how to ride a horse. And, and that's, that's a hard pill to swallow, yeah, but it's And I truth. go back and forth. It seems like, man, I'm having a hard time with this left circle or whatever. And, and I'm like, man, it, I didn't feel like I had this problem last year, year, years before or something. And it's just, I mean, it's just something you constantly have to work on and, and, you know, keep your game on, you know, going forward and not, oh, I got it. Right. It's just, it's fine, you know, because then it's not going to be fine. And so, I mean, there's times I got to, I got to really concentrate and, and, and exercise myself to get back to where, you know, it feels good because yeah. sometimes it doesn't and it's not them, it's me sometimes you know yeah yeah because uh there are some things that that might not be a hundred percent muscle memory for us and Mm -hmm. we might let little things creep in or we might do something that we're not even aware of and and to try to become aware of all the things that are happening it's and that and i think that's also where the the bad horse training comes in again you know what i mean like we're, we're giving them a cue and they're doing what they're being told and then we punish them and then you're like the horse doesn't know and now This is how horses get effed up pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I, I need some advice. Uh, I, I want to hear your perspective on this. Cause one thing I've really struggled with throughout just kind of going through with X factor roping and creating this, um, I, I, at, at that time when it kind of got rolling, I, my head headed a lot mm-hmm. and I still do, but not like I, like the, it just was different now. You know, I, I feel like I have this business and I had steers. It's mm-hmm. hard to be like a hundred percent into one thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're somewhat similar in the sense of you show so in so many different events. So it's like you, you can't be a hundred percent into one thing. No. So how do you have peace with not being a hundred percent into one thing? And like, what are some of the perks about that? Uh, you know, being able to, to have the m- multiple disciplines. I think I do. I think I'm comfortable in chaos. Okay. Me. No balance is chaos, right? Like yeah, there's just like, so many things going on. It, I feel comfortable when I'm get. um, you know, I, for me, it's, I, I can change. I can go from working a cutter to getting on a rope horse and change for me. Yeah. Uh, how I balance that. I don't really know. <laughs> Okay. Maybe I'm crazy. Well, but. no. So I, I want to be more specific okay. in the, when it's not going good. Like, yeah. like let's say you feel like you have messed up uh-huh. and you've dropped the ball for a horse or because that's what happens to me. Like I, I have, I'll rope bad and I'll be like, man, if I were spending more time on my roping, yeah. I would not have this performance. Yes. Oh, definitely. Okay. So you got to get yourself behind, you know, like this year I want to concentrate on getting behind the barrier more. And not going to the majors. I want to put myself behind, you know, the local jackpots and stuff like that. That's where I felt like last year, this past year, I struggled a little bit is I didn't put myself in those those situations to, you know, 
not that I, the, not the pressure got to me or anything. It's just, I needed to get that feel behind that barrier and that see those scores more and, you know, do that more th this coming year is what I would like to do because I felt like I, my, that good yellow horse I had, um, you know, when I did show him, um, when we went to those big majors events, I, I felt like I dropped the ball. I would make a mental mistake. I would break the barrier on the second one or <laughs> miss my damn dally um, on one, you know, in, up there in Rock Springs. And then I went a go around. I'm like, if I would have put those other two, you know, together, I, you know, would have had a chance to win it or whatever, you know. So I think I need to put myself in, in you know, practice in those situations more, not just at home. Right. And and so does it bother you that if you don't feel like you've got it, you know, you've got to dedicate that time and then you're not able to put it into something else? Mm -hmm. Or is that just something you're, you're just constantly like you're okay with the kind of riding different horses and kind of, you know, do you see where I'm kind of going yeah. with this? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not okay with it because, I mean, the time takes away from other time. Yeah, there's right? no you, there's no balance, no. right? Like, it, and and I don't think there's balance in life when we actually yeah. like get down to it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, what what do you gotta like tell yourself that, that you're okay with that? You know that that there like, isn't the, gonna be. Balance. I feel like I'm the modern modern day Bo Jackson. You know, like I want to <laughs> I want to be known to be able to do yeah. everything, and I will put myself sacrifice my body and mind to do it. That's what I want to do. Yeah, and yes, it's very hard, and I. And, you know, there's been times customers think that I'm not, I don't have time for, to do the rope horses or because I'm not the cow horse. No, my crew, you know, that boy that works for me and stuff, we make it work. They don't see behind the scenes. And, and I want to tell anybody that ever wants to, you know, prove me wrong, come watch, come yeah. hang out with us. You know, we make it work. And yes, um, you know, I might go to a cow horse show and the rope horses stay home. Well, that's why I have great friends like Ryan Moats and John Ryan Foster and and customers that understand that if I'm gone, their horses are still getting rode. And right. it, whether it's my guy that works for me or I might, you know, like John Ryan, he's really good with them heel horses, you know, and young ones. And I'll send a couple to him that need a little extra work. The ones that I don't think need extra work, Cole, he uh, tracks the dummy at home and and ropes the tracks here and then you know ryan if he's home or whatever he'll ride a couple for me or whatever it, it i make it work the best i can and i if if a horse needs extra i make sure they either go with me on the road to whatever we're doing and i'll stay on them or the i mean i'm paying the guy that works for me out of my pocket you know and i tr i trust him to do it you know the job that i'm doing so it's it that's how it all works i think is is we have a program and and there's a lot of moving parts and as long as you do the best of your ability i think it, it works in the end but there yeah it's it's i mean it's stressful when you think about it like that but it, i don't i've never even really been asked that question <laughs> well i i stress about it all the time yeah. but i i well that's why i wanted to ask because yeah. i think it is it's important to understand like for you that that's what you're you're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. You know what I mean. If everybody outside, like my wife, she lives with me, right? Yeah. We have two kids together. She's out there every day, and she thinks I'm nuts. <laughs> She's like, "Why don't you just concentrate on one thing?" I was like, "Well, one, I get bored too easy with one thing, and not that I get bored with it. I love riding horses, whether it be one thing or the other. But like, I just, you know, 
what if that horse can't do it? Then I got to let have have it somebody else, and I want to make that horse better, you know. So if it can't do the cow horse or the cutting, and I want to, you know, and if I can't make it better, I'm not too proud to send it to somebody else too. But I just, uh, I think I'm comfort comfortable in chaos and doing yeah. different things. And probably like at your core, you'd say, you know, the horse is the most important thing, but the ability to show the horse to the best of their ability. Mm -hmm. Well, there might not be a specific, like the dream for that horse with the owner or whatever it was bred for might not be what it was like, feels like it should be doing. I guess I could say it like that. this in a very short, I just thought about this. So back in the day, all these events got started from the cowboy life. Yeah. Okay. Roping got started from doctoring a cow out there and we're going to see how fast we can do it. Right. The cow horse got invented from showing how horse your how broke your horse was. All the cowboys got together and like, how fast can we pin this cow? Yep. How well, how many times? How far can it slide? Well, I guess that goes back to being a cowboy. Is I want a horse to be able to do anything and everything. I mean, being broke. I guess that's the that's the part of my or deal is having a broke horse that you can do anything on, and whether it can't do this or that. I mean, it's broke enough to be able to do anything, you know, it might be, be able to cut the, cut a cow very good, but you can kind of, you know, get a cow out of a pen or whatever or rope on it, go doctor a cow, go in there and do a rating pattern. Just a broke horse, I guess is the short and sweet of it. I just thought about, you know, it's pretty simple to say is I want a broke horse that can do anything on. And that's kind of, I do everything on any of my horses. Like, my three-year-olds that I showed snap a bit, I rope on them. Right. Just to do something different, you know, and let them win, you know, jerk on something every now and then. But I guess that's, that's kind of just, I just thought about saying that, you know, it's pretty simple. I like that. Okay. Well, I just got a, one last question, yeah. you know, um, especially being from a team rope and kind of podcast or background that mm -hmm. we got, you've had some big wins in the show horse deal. Take me through, you know, probably your, your biggest win or your most memorable win and kind of like the, you know, what goes into it? Like a little bit about the horse and, and kind of how, how it all came about. Well, I mean, as a kid, I grew up in the, you know, we didn't junior rodeo much and stuff. Uh, we were a show horse family, but I did get to go to high school rodeos and junior rodeos. But like, and that was good to learn how to be, you know you know, against the clock and stuff, but I was always raised in the show horse world. And so I guess my, I mean, I won eight world titles in the AQH or American Quarters Youth Association in, uh, in the, the calf roping and heading and made some finals in the healing and stuff like that. And then won a bunch of year end stuff in the show horse world and that instilled in me to be correct, you know, and to show and, and to present a good picture and, and make a really pretty run. Right. And then once I got older, it, you know, when the clock got involved with the jackpots and the you know, rodeos that I went to, it was, um, you know, it was more of you get, you, you kind of the, the looks of it go out the window and just try to, you know, handle that steer the best for your partner or heal it fast or whatever, or rope your calf fast. You know, the, the looks kind of went out the window and it was just, you'll get the job done. But I guess, I mean, as a kid, the, the AQHA, that, that was very, very, very important to me. I still wear one of the buckles every day that I won. Uh, and 
um, it taught me a lot of, you know, responsibility and, you know, how to do things correctly in a run and stuff. And then, uh, I guess the older, um, um, you know, I was second high call, high calls at the world series a couple of times. I mean, there's, I don't know what there's, I, there's not one specific thing that, that comes to mind. It was all of it, I guess. I mean, at the roping deal, um, I won one of the the uh, the twelve uh, Heartland over there in Graham with Gabriel Salgado a couple years back. That was a big deal. It's probably the most most money won at one single deal. You know, one you know four runs put together and won thirty five thousand. You know, that was a, that was a big deal. Help you know help financially with the kids and stuff. <laughs> Oh but, yeah. yeah. Anytime you win 35,000, yeah. that's a big deal. And Gabriel and I still talk about that. We need to do it again, you know, and, and that's kind of one of my bucket lists too. Speaking of just, you know, goals and is I would like to lit, win every Heartland, but right. I don't know if I can, I guess I'll have to heal in the lower notes, <laughs> but, but, uh, um, you know, and, and, uh, just, you know, like going to those rope horse fraternities, I get to rope with my heroes, um, you know, Trevor, um, JD Yates and you know and and Steve Orth and all those guys and Cade and Clay Logan, um, you know I mean I, I don't know I don't really rate success on things I've won it's just things I get to do yeah the moments and, yeah I mean that's I, that's such a hard question people have asked me what's your favorite deal I'm like and it just my mind goes I have no idea it's just because I I enjoy just doing what I'm doing and you know it's that's how I measure success is the people I get to be around and, and the things I get to do and, and, you know, get to spend it with my family and, and what, what a good way to measure success, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I hope I do that every day. You know, it's hard to get caught up in the moment sometimes, but you know, when we're sitting here talking about it and there's not nothing else going on, that's, that's, I mean, that's how I really think. So. Oh, that's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. All right. Well, for, for everyone listening, we appreciate it. Uh, one thing that we're going to do, uh, we did a video shoot the other day mm -hmm. and, uh, we're going to dive into a rundown here and we're going to, you know, go through some of that. So it's going to be kind of fun to, to hear, um, you know, your perspective on what you got on a horse that, uh, you get ready to that yellow horse that you, yep. we talked about that, uh, you showed at the rope horse fraternity. Yep. So thanks again. I appreciate you, you doing thanks this. Thanks for having me. It was really good. Thanks.